0: Radio Western. Welcome everyone to a brand new episode of Outlook. It is your co-host Brian here along with my sister Carrie, co-host Carrie. Hello. Hello. We are airing on, you might be catching this on the FM dial at 949 on Radio Western or we are also available as a podcast, so you may be listening as a podcast. If not, you're hearing us on the radio and you want to find us as a podcast, you can search for Outlook on Radio Western on all podcast services.
1: And uh, today we are revisiting with a few of the guests from earlier in the year, plus one additional guest. So that's exciting. Right, Brian?
0: Yeah, I'd like to say, so f- first we'll, we'll be introducing here JJ Hunt and Christine Malik. They are from the podcast Talk Description to Me, and we had them on uh, back in the winter. Quite a few months ago now, I guess, and uh, I also want to just quickly thank them. If anyone's been listening to our show and caught our Canadian Federation of the Blind convention specials, they were featured on that, and they were at the convention, so I'm really glad that they were able to make it. We got a lot of amazing feedback, and they do such a great job on their podcast. Talk description to me, so welcome again to Outlook, JJ and Christine. Thank, thank you. you very much. Great to be right back. here.
3: <laughs>
1: And yeah, it was um, from these two that we uh, decided to do an episode, Brian, on, uh, I guess, astronomy or whatever the topics, these are the sort of the topics that we don't normally, we haven't covered too much on Outlook before, right?
0: Yeah, we always like to cover so many different topics and it's easy to, go, you know, veer towards things that interest us very specifically, we're, we're very connected to, but we also want to cover any topic on this show. So this is a really neat, neat idea, I think, and it's something I don't know very much about whatsoever. So I think this will be a very interesting discussion and it, uh, it's, it's going to be a, a different sort of feel for today's Outlook, I think. So I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to it.
1: Yes. And I want to start by talking about space, but I would like to introduce our third guest uh, and we looking forward to getting to know also. So uh, thank you, Christine, for uh, introducing us to Kim Arcand. Hi, Kim.
4: Thanks for coming on Outlook. Hi! Thanks so much. I'm I'm really excited to be here.
0: And whereabouts are you calling in from today?
4: I am calling in from Rhode Island in the USA, and it's a little bit rainy here today.
0: Yeah, it's been rainy mm. here in Ontario, on and off this whole past week. And uh, I think the other well, Carrie and I, of course, are coming in from Ontario, and I believe Christine and JJ also are out of Ontario. So,
2: mm-hmm. yeah. yes, hmm,
1: Rhode Island, huh? I don't know if yeah. I have I've not been there. <laughs> <laughs> We're a small
4: little state. <laughs> yes.
0: Yeah, I don't know too much about Rhode Island. We've definitely had a few people on this show from, from the U.S., uh, quite a few from Colorado in particular. But yeah. Rhode Island is a, is a new one, so I'm, it's really cool to have a, a mix of locations and people coming in from all around. So that, that's, uh, that's awesome.
4: Happy to represent the ocean state.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, nice. Now I kind of want to come. Um we would love to talk all about what you do, Kim. Uh but um yeah, you are gonna have to forgive us. Brian and I are not um very up on our astronomy. Um but I was thinking about uh Christine recently on on Talk Description to me, you mentioned how you'd like to interview Chris Hatfield one day. So yeah. I'm just I'm just excited to interview Kim Arcan today because <laughs> <laughs> Um. Yeah, I suppose that hasn't uh, come through for you
4: yet, huh?
2: I'm. Does anyone know Chris Hatfield? I'm really. I'm still waiting. I think it's an achievable goal, but it I hasn't know happened someone. Yet. I
4: know someone who knows him.
2: Do you? How no, do I not yes, know this I about know. you, Kim? How have yes, we not I had do. this conversation?
4: Well, let's talk, let's talk later. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I am not as exciting as Chris Hatfield, but I am happy to be here anyway. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, well, um, we just want to be able to talk a bit about space today and um, astronomy and all those things that a lot of people are fascinated by. And I guess uh, I wanted to ask all of the guests today kind of about their past relationship with space or their first realizing that they were interested in space or love space. Um, But uh, Brian and I have had this conversation before, right, Brian, that uh, you weren't necessarily interested in that sort of thing as a kid because…
0: I don't know. I don't I would never tie it into being blind specifically because we'll be talking today a lot about description and how these things can be described. And we're trying to we're talking about astronomy, getting more involved with the STEM STEM um, studying, you know, for for blind students and adults and anyone who is interested. So Mm -hmm. it's more of an interesting, I think, whether whether you're blind or not doesn't necessarily have to do with it. Although in the past, maybe certain things were more accessible if if you could see than if you're blind and we're we're really trying to change that with every, everything in the world here. So um, I think it is okay. an interesting thing. But yeah, Carrie, you, you used to be able to see a bit more than me as a, as a kid. And again, I don't know if this ties into it necessarily, but I think you always had a, a bit more of a fascination. Not that I don't find the idea of space fascinating. I think I just don't even know where to start. So I kind of have never really <laughs> taken much time to get into it. But uh, I am interested to learn about everything today that, that Kim has to contribute and Christine and JJ as well, of course.
1: Right. Well, I'm going to ask all three of them that here in a second. Yeah, I think the first thing for me before my love of the ocean uh, was my love of space. So I think that was earlier on. Uh, and that sort of took a bit of a backseat when I discovered how much I love the ocean. Uh, but yeah, I used to love it as a kid because um, for a child who liked different backgrounds, it's like when you have a computer and you have a dark screen and, you know, bright lettering or vice versa. For contrast, I thought as a low vision child, space was interesting because it was always a black background with bright things like planets and stars, especially on TV programs and in books specifically. And so that's kind of what attracted me to it. I think it was flashy enough, especially as a kid. I, as a kid, I liked those little packets of, you know, like puzzles and Sticker books of space things. And I just always liked that theme. And then as I got older and I realized if I wanted to study any of that growing up, how much science you kind (laughs) of (laughs) need scared me off. But again, that's what we're talking about here also. And we'd like to keep talking about it is how the STEM fields have felt very out of touch for blind students for a long time. And it's getting better, and stuff like what you guys do helps that along. So I thank you for that, uh, even if I'm not gonna become a scientist tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> but um, let's start with you, Christine, as I mentioned the Chris Hatfield thing. I, I mean, for people who are new um, to listening to this episode or us in general, or who missed you guys last time, if you want to maybe give just anything about yourself, but if it just relates to space and our topic today, that's fine also. Um, Kim, uh, sorry, Christine, whichever you think you'd want to divulge, but just so people can.
2: Yeah. So um, I've been, I've been blind since birth. And so I don't have visual memory of um, anything to do with space, but it always captured my imagination. And I think it's kind of linked to that, I don't know if everyone has a memory of the moment when you first started trying to understand the idea of infinity or eternity. And it's the most abstract and frightening idea to a child. But to me, it kind of is when I got interested in space, when you just get a sense of how puny and tiny you are in the, in the big picture. And then I started reading science fiction, uh, which I still do avidly. And so Uh, I'm not a scientist. I'm kind of an armchair astronomer in a certain sense. So I've always been Mm -hmm. interested in ways that I could learn about it. So I would read things and and. Read things and read things, and i um, JJ and I are co-hosts of the the Talk Description to Me podcast, which is a, a conversational style. JJ is an audio describer, so we we talk about current events and the world around us from a description point of view. And so I'm always like angling to cover space content. So we did uh, um, descriptions of the Bob and Doug going up in the in the SpaceX Dragon, and we've um, we've talked about the Northern. Lights. We've talked about the moon landing and, and images of the moon. So it's a topic that's just alive in my mind all the time. And it's a, an interest that I bring to the podcast. And um, then it kind of evolved into JJ and I getting to know Kim, who works with Chandra and figuring out how uh, the work that Chandra is doing could be made even more accessible. So they had they had a very active camp campaign already going around how to make astronomy more inclusive and accessible for blind and low vision people. And so JJ and I kind of stepped into something that was already existing and and to see what we could what we could add to what Chandra is is doing. And so I love what you say about STEM fields being more friendly to people who are blind or low vision. I think that is so hugely important and, uh, even if this work wasn't so much fun, the work, the work with Chandra, even if it wasn't so interesting to me, if I felt that it was going to help some kid, you know, with a visual impairment, go, hey, astronomy, that's so cool, I want to learn more. That would be incredibly rewarding to me because uh, I think it's, yeah, STEM fields have been intimidating, and for me as a kid, learning science was really challenging. So I'm very interested in finding alternative ways to communicate uh, information and to convey the enthusiasm about that.
0: Yeah, I think you make some really great points there, Christine, and how how I was talking about before that while space had some interest for me, it was never something I was super fascinated with. So the fact to show there that whether you've ever seen or not in your case, like my case, you never had that visual connection to space, but you still have that interest. And also, just because it might not be a subject that someone is completely interested in, you got you have to cover all subjects because you want to make things as accessible for, for blind people as possible. And for me, in, in high school, I, I took science, of course, as, I, as it was my a requirement, and I did enjoy it, but I do think it got to a point where I felt like I wasn't a part of a lot of experiments and things that were happening in the, in the class. And I graduated in 2005, which, you know, isn't that long ago, but in a way it is compared to the way technology just moves so quickly that I think even compared to, to the early 2000s to today, there's been much greater advancements in the STEM fields for blind or visually impaired children. So I think it is just so so important to be talking about this stuff.
1: For sure. And we definitely want to make it clear again, yes, that you don't need to see to be interested in any of this. If you have a keen mind and you're curious and you you like you yeah, you can't imagine what it's what's out there. Um, that's all you need and a lot of blind people love listening to audiobooks and reading books that are science fiction and that really I don't read enough. I don't read science fiction books, right? So I'm sure it does help add to all that you might think about uh, on any given day, Christine, about these sort of things. Um, how about you, JJ? What do you think? Anybody who maybe hasn't heard you before should know about you. On and, and how did you like? When were you interested in space?
3: Well, as uh, as Christine mentioned, I'm a describer, and uh, and and that's kind of how I got into uh, these conversations with uh, with Kim and Chandra was as a as a describer and as someone who worked with Christine on. Uh, You know, topics, description topics that are a little bit outside of the norm. So that's how I kind of got into this specifically. In terms of space, you know, I was a kid, uh, I was a kid, I remember this this moment i had being on a uh, at a cottage on a dock in the summer standing on the edge of the dock looking up at the sky looking up at the night sky and of course at the cottage not a lot of uh, light pollution so you could really see the stars in fact you could you could just start to see the you know the band of the milky way and and i remember looking up at that night sky and having this this funny little realization as a kid that if, if I could just fly straight up and I could keep any one of those lights in my sights and I could just head straight for it and just keep going and just keep going and just keep going, as long as I kept that in my sights, I would eventually actually get there to a totally different place. And as a kid, that was so profound that there was not only one other place up there, but thousands, tens of thousands, more than I could possibly ever count. And they were all different. And maybe some of them were nothing but you know, bright lights, as far as I could tell. But maybe some of them were places. And maybe some of them had people. And maybe some of them had mountains or lakes or cottages or whatever. And as a kid, that idea totally blew my mind. Uh, I think my parents made sure that I wasn't into the cough syrup too heavy that night when I came in and said, like, oh, my God, guys, you'll never guess what I figured out. <laughs> but uh <laughs> i kind of have been interested in that way um but it, it really wasn't until i got uh, got involved in this project with with chandra and kim that i actually have had a chance to dive into uh some of the the hard science of this and some of the i mean man some of the things we 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 are describing some of the things we're talking about quasars and Nebulas and galaxy clusters and these these are not things that have been in my vocabulary at all and uh, and so to have a chance to work on this and and try and noodle some of this stuff out and and you know first of all figure out a little bit of the science so that I can then describe it and explain it uh, is uh, is such a fantastic uh, challenge I, I just I just love having the opportunity.
1: Yeah, it's a big, big, wide (laughs) space up there.
3: Yeah,
0: it's Uh, just so (laughs) hard to imagine. I've always been so I've been fascinated by numbers in particular. I love math and everything. So the idea of infinity and the and the, the solar system and all of these things just and not being able to see. I do remember as a child, you know, sitting around the campfire and people talking about seeing the stars and stuff like that. And that whole concept does fascinate me because it's. It's just it is one of those things that I do wish I could see, but I think there are other ways to understand it without being able to see. Um so I guess now we'll we'll move over to Kim. And if Kim, if you could tell us a little bit about yourself and your background and then go into what is the Chandra X-ray observatory.
4: Sure, sure. So yep, I'm I'm Kim Arkhand. I am a visualization scientist for NASA's Chandra X-ray observatory. Um, Chandra studies the high-energy universe, so X-rays coming from objects like exploding stars, from areas around black holes, from colliding galaxies, and and so much more. There's just a, a wealth of information that is available to us in the parts of the electromagnetic spectrum that no human can see natively one of the things i think i've always enjoyed about working for the chandra x-ray observatory is that every part of that process of capturing x-ray information of translating it into an image or a 3d model or a sound it's all about taking something and moving through different steps, making choices to be able to represent it in some way. And I think as you mentioned, Brian, earlier, for a long time, visuals have been highly prioritized in astronomy, but there's no reason that that has to be the case. When you're working with X-ray data or infrared data or gamma rays or radio waves, Like all of that information is invisible to humans. And so we have to just translate it from one form to another. Um, and so, yeah, for me, I think this idea of, of space has been attractive since I was a little kid, but I kind of loved all sciences. Like Carrie, I love the ocean. Mm -hmm. I loved animals. Like I thought maybe someday I'd want to be a doctor with like people. I don't know. I just really liked the idea of figuring things out that I think was always the attraction for me. Um, what could I learn? What puzzles could I, you know, explore? What could I, what questions could I answer? Um, and so I actually went to university to study something completely different. Um, I was studying things under a microscope uh, and then I moved into computer science because I realized I didn't want to look at like bugs under a microscope. Um, and computer science for me was a bit of like, it was a language, a universal language that just sort of helped me unlock. Um, space science. And I've worked on taking data and translating it through computer science ever since for Chandra. I've been there since about 1998. So yeah, it's been a wild ride.
1: Wow. Well, I, I never really expected we'd talk about something called the Chandra X-ray Obser- Observatory and Outlook, so I'm excited that we are uh, for a lot of listeners who will find that this stuff fascinating. So, thank you for explaining some of this. <laughs> um, yeah, science has been pretty good to me as far as medical science and all these things, and I think it is remarkable. So, we need people like you, Kim, so thank you very much for whichever science you choose to work in. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> <laughs>
0: There was a great TED talk with with you, Kim, from a few years back, called "How to Hold a Dead Star in your Hand." And I hope our listeners will go look that up on YouTube. I checked it out earlier, and it is a it is a great presentation. And you do talk about in there how, as a as a child, you wanted to be an astronaut. That was sort of your your dream then. but I mean, maybe that didn't quite happen, but at least you know you' still you're still doing something relating to astronomy and 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 all in that subject matter. So, you know, it's. It's yeah. still something. Well,
4: I can tell you, I can tell you why. Cause like, I, I thought it'd be a great idea to be an astronaut, but then very quickly found out when I went on like amusement park rides that my stomach was not at all <laughs> up to the top. <laughs> <laughs> so never could I be a Chris Hadfield. That is for sure. <laughs> I'm here on the ground. Right. Very happily. <laughs> yeah
1: i always thought i'd like to be a marine biologist but i the, a lot of them I, I think spend a lot of time on boats and i don't, I don't like boats
4: <laughs> exactly
1: sometimes it just doesn't but, work out. i mean there is yeah, always a you know a, a lab or something you know the scientists but i would have if i got into that work it would be to be in nature outside so yeah um so you made good points there kim again about what we're saying like uh, i'm reading this great book actually right now and i've talked about it on outlook before and i will again called their plant eyes uh by dr m leona godin godin and uh in her book there's actually one chapter called telescopes microscopes spectacles and speculations and she talks a lot about all this stuff how you know, the history of space and then science Galileo and all those guys back then and uh, all the discoveries and, you know, obviously with telescopes and microscopes and all those things. But yet there is this world going on that we don't see to have to realize now that it exists. So that's important um, when we're talking about disability, especially blindness, that we talk about this stuff because it does sort of come back around to itself. But Kim, uh, when did you get it sort of involved then? In, like you said, it doesn't have to be all visual data and stuff. So, when did you get involved with uh, making space accessible and more inclusive in these sort of ways?
4: Yeah, it was something that came on gradually, again, um, because of technology. Like Brian mentioned, technology's been really advancing. And about, well, over a decade ago now, we started working with Tracy Delaney, who is at MIT. She's an astrophysicist. And she was helping to create the very first. Um, 3d model of an exploded star using actual data observed from telescopes versus you know mathematical numbers from a a simulation and that that 3d model was incredibly exciting to me because not only was it the first time that had been done and that we were able to use chandra to to do that but that eventually we thought well maybe we could 3d print this and that was just kind of like a fun thing for us to try i i was just kind of like you know just kind of pursuing the curiosity thing there, just like, what what would happen if we 3D print this? And that led to the first time that we could hold uh, a dead star in our hands. And from there, it it just seemed a very natural skew to work with students at the National Federation of the Blind here in the U.S. to improve those 3D prints so that they could be used by people um, who are blind or low vision. And the students that we worked with were just incredible and they did such amazing things to help us make these models so much better, such simple and obvious things that like, I, I realized like, of course that's what you're supposed to do. Right. So taking, for example, this, this exploded star, um it's like this this shell of of gas and material that is expanding slowly into outer space i say slowly not in comparison to us here on earth it's going incredibly fast but for itself over time it's just a sort of thing that's steady and happening and their idea was just to cut that model in half so that you could access the internal information as much as the external information of that of that gaseous cloud and it was such like yes of course that's what you're supposed to do right so so we worked with them to to improve that model and a few other models that we had been working on of various um, cosmic objects in 3d and just realized what a fantastic way to experience this data and a way to make it better for everybody to be able to explore it um, and that was kind of like the little you know the little rocket for me from there we we moved later on just recently into sound. Um, working with Matt Russo um, and his team from System Sounds, and taking these experiences and creating sonifications. And then, because of Matt, I got to know Christine, and it's so it's just been this lovely like um, community, like kind of like a hot potato where people are passing me on from like one other person <laughs> to another person, um, and I just get to know more and more people. And now that I'm working with Christine and JJ on these visual descriptions, taking these objects. And describing them in these really nice, authentic ways, it's just it just feels so organic, I think, to be able to expand on these projects and products that of course, again, this is x-ray light. No human can ever see this stuff directly, so thinking out of the box on how you can explore it just makes so much sense,
0: yeah, yeah. it's all about thinking out of outside of the box, and that's what we do here on Outlook, and always we're always discussing that how important that is and um uh, I think the 3D printing is a really amazing technology. And I actually felt some 3D printing for the first time. It was about three years ago, actually, at an NFB convention. And I hadn't felt it before I'd heard about it. But actually having that in my hand and feeling, I didn't, I think I might have felt some sort of spacecraft or something at the time, but never. I never, never have felt the exploding star. But that whole idea of 3D printing just really giving blind people a better idea of how something looks by feeling it like that with so much, I was just blown away by the amount of detail that was included in a 3D printout, and I just, I think that's, that's so great with technology, how we've gotten there, and also you touching on sound, I believe you aren't as involved in that, or that's more of a recent development, so we will get into that a little bit later on, but, um, yeah, I just think it's, uh, it's all such amazing development there, and yeah, maybe just talk just a little bit more, any of you, any of you three can take this one, sort of about your connection and how you did make that connection um, with JJ and Christine to begin with, because it is really great and it's all about networking and uh, making these connections in this, in the world. I find so.
2: I'm happy to talk about that. Um, I was lucky enough to experience one of Matt Russo's presentations in Toronto and where he had done some sonifications and I was so blown away my goosebump muscles were sore because he had taken something that for me had been all theory and and made it into something sensory and almost visceral so I was so absorbed by this and uh I was doing some work with CNIB and asked and and so we ended up he and I ended up doing a little collaboration with some work he was doing and um I was kind of talking with him, like you know, I'd love to do more with describing or or reinterpreting space science, and is there a way that that could happen? And that's how uh, Matt said, "Well, let me talk to to Kim, my associate." And so uh, it kind of that that was the connection that brought uh, the three of us together, and the way that that ended up manifesting was that um, Chandra releases visualizations of the data they collect um, on their website and on Twitter. And so the the, the visualizations are essentially composites. They're, they're data put, as Kim said, into a, a form that's mostly visual because most people, that's how they experience the world. But uh, as Kim said, it's just raw data. So um, the visualizations are kind of imaginative. And the, the ways that they were being described uh were not explicitly for people who are blind or low vision. So um my my interest and and our interest became can we take these images? So it ends up being this funny little circle because we're taking data, putting it kind of squeezing it in in you know into a different form, into a visual form, then describing the the construct from an audio description point of view. And so before uh, JJ started doing his descriptions, the, the descriptions that were on the website were sort of self-referential. Like they'd say, you can see that the swirls mean this. Then they would sort of reference themselves. But what, what we were interested in doing is taking those uh, those crafted visualizations and then describing them so that uh they made sense for someone who was not looking at them but who might be able to use those descriptions to help um make a construct in their own mind of what the data meant or what was actually happening in in the phenomenon that the chandra observatory was studying
0: that's all so so cool and i just that's why i love your podcast talk description to me so much because it we we talk a lot about descriptive movies and 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 TV shows but describing other areas with more you know friendly description where blind people can relate and connect with is an area i think we lack so the fact that you started this podcast and then through it we're able to make connections such as Kim Arkand, i think it's just uh it's so amazing and i just I, i'm excited to see what the future brings for all of this so for anyone who has just tuned in we are speaking today with JJ and Christine from their podcast, Talk Description to Me, along with a uh, partnership that they've made with Kim Arkan from the Chandra X-Ray Observatory. So we're going to take a quick break here today on Outlook, and we'll be right back with more space talk. Welcome back. You're listening to Outlook here today on Radio Western or as a podcast. We are speaking astronomy on today's episode with J.J. Hunt and Christine Malik, hosts of the podcast Talk Description to Me, along with a collaboration that they made with Kim Arkin, who's also on the show. She is from the Chandra X-Ray Observatory. And before we get back to the discussion, we talked a bit there in before the break about sonification. So if our listeners would take a moment here and give a listen to this...
4: So there you have it. What was that, Kim, that we just heard? We just heard a sonification of the x-ray data and the optical data of the Cat's Eye Nebula. The Cat's Eye Nebula is essentially like a huge cloud of gas and dust that's sort of puffed off from a star like our sun that's in the process of dying. So it's kind of a glimpse of what might happen to our sun in, say, six billion years. And that's billion with a B. So we have We have plenty of time before our our son goes kaput. Um, But what's really lovely about the sonification is it's like this radial scan of all of the information that's mapped in the image. And with JJ and Christine, we did this really nice visual description about that sonification. So you understand what is in the visual in addition to what you're hearing. Um, and I don't know. Do, JJ, do you want me to read some, or do you want to read some? or Christine, <laughs> who wants to? this one's my favorite because the description is just so lovely.
3: <laughs> Feel free. If you've got it in front of you, go ahead, Kim.
4: Okay, sure, sure. <laughs> All right. so uh, the concentric circles are bubbles expelled by the star over time. The dust cloud resembles a translucent pastry pulled to golden yellow points near our upper right and lower left with a blob of bright, purple jelly inside the bulbous pale blue core. The jelly-like center represents X-ray data from Chandra. The outer cloud and the translucent circles represent visible light data from the Hubble Space Telescope. And the description goes on and on. But I just thought it was a really lovely example of being able to make these descriptions very just fun and You know, scientifically interesting at the same time, and just just a new way to be able to experience this this data in a whole new light. Oh, pun intended, I guess. (laughs) Good one. Sorry, sorry. Well done. Science puns—they follow me everywhere.
0: (laughs) Oh no. Yeah, Yeah, we love puns on Outlook, and uh... yeah, it's it's interesting because. I actually, just, I did uh, check with that description earlier today. Um, and so I think that's a great one that you picked because I really did love all of those comparisons. And again, you had the, some of that language that is sort of harder to grasp, but then you compared it to a lot of, you know, pastry and these things that I just think is so neat. And I've noticed that a lot with JJ and on this podcast, Talk Description to Me, all of these comparisons to everyday items that we might be more familiar with to be able to understand things that are a little bit more abstract that we might not be able to have as much of an understanding of. And if our listeners go to Chandra, that's C-H-A-N-D-R-A dot Harvard dot E-D-U, they can find podcast clips there from with these descriptions. And I just think this is all very, uh, very interesting stuff. So thanks for such a detailed description there.
2: There's a really interesting aspect that um, JJ could obviously speak to better, but it's something that if you're an experienced audio description user or a, an experienced um, reader of image descriptions, you'll notice something unusual there that I, I really admire, which is the way that the science and the description are integrated. Because if that had been a piece of art on a museum wall, you would not get what you would not get the information of what the items, what the components actually are. You would get the, the you know, appetite-stimulating content about the pastry <laughs> and the jelly and stuff, but you wouldn't be told what those actually are because that's not what audio description usually does. But um, that's something that JJ has really refined is integrating the, the science with the description to make it easy as easy as possible for someone who doesn't have sight to take in that very complex information in in one bite. See, there's another one. Another pun. Another pun. Well done.
3: One. Yeah, it's absolutely true. When when I'm Pulling these things together, as Chris says, if, if it's art on a wall, we have a different, most of us have a, a pretty solid understanding of the things that are on our planet. So if I reference, there's a, uh, a photograph of a hot cup of coffee and there's steam coming off of the top. I don't have to explain the science behind the steam. We get it. We all have an understanding of why there would be steam coming off of the top. But if I talk about there being concentric bubbles around the uh, this ethereal shape, no one's going to go, oh, that's probably because that's expelled by the star right. over time as it dies, right? No, no one understands what that means. So I take some of the information that comes from the writing that, that Kim and her team do, and then I, I try and take that Information and combine it with with basic audio description techniques, and then more advanced audio description techniques, and then try and come up with a with a composite of my own, trying to pull all of these things together into uh, into one. Uh, one document that makes sense. And then I send that off to Christine. And and Christine's the one who says, yes, this works, or ah, not quite getting this, this still isn't clear. And then, you know, w- w- by the time we've all had a chance to touch it, and we've all had a chance to say, well, you know, here's what I understand about this. And here's my expertise on that. And here's what I can contribute. By the time all that's done, we have uh, hopefully some um, interesting and stimulating and informative descriptions that are Tailored for blind and low vision audiences, but still of great value to anyone at all, right? There, are, I think, I think we're going to start to hear more and more from people who are not necessarily in the blind, low vision community who listen to these descriptions or who read them and say, "Okay, now I get it. Now I get those bubbles being expelled by the star. When you say it and I see it and explain it all at once, it just is a little bit easier for some of our uh, for for our brains. Though, for those of us who aren't hardcore scientists, uh, you know, it's just a little bit easier to get when you put all of these things together, all in, into one place.
2: And I feel um, like audio description as well serve well serves this well because. You can't make elaborate sentences with 15 clauses in them. and lot, You know, When you're writing audio description, I'm sure, or image description, you sort of have to learn to be a bit more concise. And for me, as a layperson, a non-scientist reading scientific material, I need lots of commas, I need lots of periods, uh, and I, I need the, the ideas to be sort of uh, discrete and condensed, like in little packages so my brain can take them in. And so I feel like image description... From an audio describer is is already kind of halfway there in making really uh, friendly science writing. and what
4: what I think I love about this project, besides just getting to work with Christine and JJ, who are just both, beautiful people to work with, is the fact that this material is so very usable. right? It's provided in, in text and audio format. Whenever we put out the, the NASA press release, we created a podcast feed so you can listen to them all at once. The data is attached to metadata in the image file itself. So when the image goes out into the internet, if someone's downloading it separate, if someone's grabbing it for a planetarium show or what have you, that visual description travels with the image. Um it's part of the alternative text on social media platforms, right? You just you can use it in so very many ways that um like Christine and JJ have already mentioned, like this idea that hopefully there'll be more of a pickup of this type of um product or or technique because I just think it's immensely useful for so many different people.
1: Yeah and like you said, Kim it's great because because we need all of everyone on board, science um you know the arts like you said when there are museums and, and galleries have these exhibits that are incorporating science and technology and all these things multimedia multi-sensory uh, it's great that we can work together and and be aware and just that yeah that that stuff's out there in view of everyone so that people just get used to it as being how it's going to be hopefully from now on as we keep improving and, and being more inclusive so exactly yeah, like I say, as a writer, I am fascinated by all this and the description you read, Kim, it was lovely and it reminds me we need to talk more about cooking on Outlook in the
4: future. But <laughs>
3: Definitely.
4: Um, <laughs>
1: um, but it's good. But yeah, it's just that was very rich and as a writer, I, I think that's fascinating. Uh, to, like just to think of the work you're all doing and how you um, how you kind of come up with those sort of words and then to hear people read them back who have a love for the project and for, um, what, what's being, what's trying to be done. So.
2: It's a really that. specific kind of writing and JJ and I took some time refining it because we both have, you know, we're both experienced writers and, mm-hmm. we, but we have never done anything quite like this. And what I was finding was, um, uh, so pronouns, for example, for me, JJ might write something like the nebula, la, la, la period. it, and, and But I wanted the proper name. I needed the nebula. Like, I needed to be really spoon-fed in a way that if you were writing fiction or normal prose, it would be laborious. It would, wouldn't stylistically be very appealing. But in this kind of dense science writing that's meant for non-scientists, um, I wanted, uh, I, for me, anyway, as the consultant, I was like, okay, I want really short clauses, lots of periods, lots of commas, and lots of proper nouns. because. Um, My brain is working so hard (laughs) at just getting the basic concepts that when you say it, I don't want my mind, my mind to be distracted by figuring out the it refers to the nebula in the previous sentence. And so it's a really distinctive style. And I never studied science writing or anything like that. I just was basing it on what, what works for me. Um, And so conciseness, lots of, lots of natural pauses given by punctuation and lots of pronouns, uh, proper nouns. in in the text were what were most helpful for me. So it's stylistically, it's been interesting for both of us too.
0: Yeah, those are such important points. And I do think that how you touch on the concise language that you that you would use for audio description, because you don't have time to to read long tons and tons of long sentences. So to be able to have that writing style combined with the scientific information to be able to be able to make it more understandable for for the average person uh, reading it whether the person's blind and in some cases even if you're not blind it's this can be a helpful thing which is also a big part of accessibility and inclusivity is having all of these things tied together where they benefit people who are blind but they also have a benefit for everyone so it's just it's a it's such a intriguing area of uh, to look into and I, I think that's really neat how they this audio description and science combine like this in this uh, situation.
2: We want more. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Kim.
4: (laughs) No, it's good. I love that because it's true. Like, this is what I keep finding over and over. Like, every time we do one of these projects through the 3D printing or the sonification or the visual description, it ends up benefiting so many people, right? And I love that, that you just are trying to make a better product and you're trying to make it more accessible and inclusive. And when you do that, you can help reach more people, um, no matter what kind of background they're coming from and that is just very very attractive to me and I hope yeah I hope like Carrie said I hope it keeps getting picked up and and getting more and more attention as as other groups try to do these things too.
1: Yeah and that book I mentioned earlier actually there's a chapter there's chapters about science and all these things and art and how they intercept but I often like to think about um, um, synesthesia which is just the mixing of your senses that you can see something in your mind's eye, but you can also feel it or it's attached to colours or or sound uh and so i like i said i was reading earlier but i was mostly listening to one of the of the recordings uh and i was really just trying to follow it and it can be a challenge it sort of feels like it breaks your brain but (laughs) but um i've always loved trying to envision things i've always been a visual learner in my brain and that doesn't have anything to do with being sighted or not sighted so that's why it's good when we can make science very approachable and um you no, know, like you said to JJ and a few I think maybe all of you maybe said right that it this this stuff can apply to everyone and it sort of it isn't just about blind people often things that help us that are discovered along the way for other reasons but um sometimes it is like with audio description and, and image descriptions in that world that's opening up to so many of us thanks to the work that you guys are all doing and that you guys do every day with talk description um it's all just becoming more and more possible so
2: I feel like the um, now is the time, like the pandemic's been interesting for accessibility. There's been time for people to pause and think about, and I'm seeing in lots of different ways where things are consciously becoming, organizations are becoming more inclusive. So I always like to say to the blind and low vision community, if there is an agency or an organization or someone who's doing work that you're interested in and they're not um, factoring in description, say, ask them. And you never know what can happen. So people sometimes don't know the needs that we have until we approach them and say, hey, have you thought about getting these images described? Or have you thought about running an audio described version of this this thing? So if if you're a learner or someone in the arts or whatever interests you, I always encourage people just you know, find out who to ask and just ask them. You never know what might happen.
0: Yeah. And we're kind of used to being told in the past, you know, you can you can't do this or you can't do that. And so I think Oftentimes people they they have it set in their mind or they've have their mind made up not by them not by their own accord necessarily, but by society in general, where that this isn't possible or that's not possible, so they might not think to reach out whereas in most in most cases, there are ways to make things more accessible and just to know that there are resources out there, like like talk description to me to reach out to and and Kim doing this this fantastic work that that these these options are out there in any area where you might feel like You want to be a part of but you're missing out due to visual aspects having these resources to reach out to to get more clarification and better better description so that you can understand the concepts more more uh, accurately i think is is uh is great to see
3: for sure and i gotta say from the description standpoint the 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 change that i've seen over the last couple of years has been remarkable you know five years ago Almost all of my work was movies and television. That's it. Movies and television. And then I started doing some live events and some parades and things that was interesting. And and then the museums and the art world, they were already doing some museum and art description, but that's really expanded. And now we're doing description of tactile reproductions of of paintings and things like oh, that's pretty cool. And then, oh, now we've got uh you know, we've got theater pieces that have multimedia. Okay, and we're gonna try and pull in description of light shows that are part of, okay, we're going to do that now. And now we're just adding one on top of the other, on top of the other, these new kinds of descriptions describing sonifications. I mean, I it never would have occurred to me that that would be something that would be put in front of me. And I think it's in part because our industry has been around for a long time. Now we have uh, description users who have who understand audio description. And so you can, we have a shared common language so we can all speak to these, uh, you know, w- we can a- address new things. We can describe new things and we all have a common language already. So we can use that. And I think it's something that can't be underestimated is the number of uh, description user creators, people who are both creators and users of description, whether it's in the production side or even the writing side, there are people who are both using and in creating, and as those folks are moving up through uh, through the ranks and the various uh, you know organizations that they work with, all of that combines to make a much richer field of audio description offerings. There are live events, there are concerts, there are you know uh, space is now being audio described. I mean, this is uh, it's 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 pretty
0: dreamy right now. I think it's infinite the amount of things you could describe out there that yeah. aren't touched on so. Literally, <laughs> yeah, right. Literally, <laughs> we exactly. talked about that earlier.
4: Thought so. <laughs> it would be a nice uh,
0: throwback. <laughs> Good one. Um, Good one. And also, just I think you made a great point, uh, Christine and JJ. Originally, when you reached out to us, that this is also partly just to, to show NASA that accessibility work is valued by by the blind community and people, because a lot of times it is just that people don't think about it, or people who are in in certain industries or are doing certain c- certain types of research don't really think about. All the population that might be out there interested. So to do work like this is a great example and d- does show show other people that these areas are appreciated and we do want to be talking more about it.
1: Yes, and Kim, so you you have do you have positive hope for like we say science and and accessibility and inclusion and NASA, like you say, hearing all of this sort of thing, uh, maybe taking Very it to heart. Positive.
4: Yeah, very positive. honestly, I've, I've given a few internal talks on this topic now, and I can tell you every single time, I've been blown away by the response, by the very, very positive response from the people uh, in my presentations. And that just makes me feel so good, right, that this work that Christine and JJ and, and all of us are, are trying to do, um, you know, can can keep growing, can keep moving places, can keep expanding. Um, but yes, I would love to hear, you know, is this is this type of resource helping you? Or do you enjoy it? Is it something of, that you value? That's the sort of information that is so very valuable for me to have. Um, I would just love to hear from people, truly. Yeah, and it's ex- like, yeah, like
1: what you say there, it's an exchange of um, back and forth, um, like seeing that there is an interest in it and also for us to make sure that we let Everyone know that we are interested and we're here. So Right, right. Helps both sides of that. Wow, like this is something I would like to look more into and I hopefully I was hoping talking to you guys I would get a bit more of the details and, and learn a bit more. And I hope our listeners are learning something with all of this. Uh, I think it'll be fascinating. Thank you.
0: <laughs> so for anyone who is just tuning in, we're speaking today with Kim Arkin from the Chandra X ray observatory and along with Christine and JJ, former Outlook guests, but happy to have them back as they are doing collaboration with Kim here to describe the uh, the images and data that that comes from the Chandra X-Ray Observatory through description and also through sounds and so many different senses to be able to understand this info more for, for everyone. So we're wrapping up here. We have uh, just over five minutes left on today's episode, so I thought maybe go around and see is there anything specific about all of this work that you guys have done together that we haven't discussed yet on this episode that you'd like to mention or just any sort of plans for the future what you're what you're hoping to do over the next few years and and hopefully you're continuing this this collaboration
2: i would say that again i'd like to reiterate if there's descriptions that you want or accessibility accessibility things that you want ask and especially i mean i don't maybe I shouldn't say this, but a larger organizations are more likely to have the budget and the resources to do that. But so always reach out, always let agencies know, uh, what you, what you want as a, as a user of, and if, if an agency is public education oriented, then, then we are definitely part of the public. So, um, never lose sight of that. And, um, uh, I'll just reiterate that my professional ambition is to interview Chris Hatfield from a blindness perspective. <laughs> is as he a space, uh, he's, is he listening right now? Because I'll just put my email in the show notes. Because um, Chris, get a hold of me. Um, no, I love. I I love to. I'd love to talk to someone from from a blindness perspective because there's questions that a standard interviewer wouldn't ask. So uh, that's my hope for the next few years is to get more involved with um, the space and astronomy side of, of description. That's something that I find really exciting.
1: Well, I'd like to think that Chris Hatfield is listening, that he does listen to this podcast, but we will see.
4: (laughs) And I would like to think that we could make it happen. (laughs) But but yeah, I would say that um, I I would love to grow this program. I would really love to get a a study done to see how this is possibly impacting people, um, whether it's someone who's blind or low vision or not, I, I'd really like to learn more about the sort of efficacy of what we're doing and quantify it so that we can sort of show that as a data point because i love to do these projects and really I just want to keep doing more, right? Each, each individual project has sort of led to this longer program of just making an accessible universe and that's kind of where my happy place is. So yeah, like Christine said earlier, more and more more would <laughs> be great.
3: Yeah, I'm very much in the same vein, more, more, more. And I, and I, it has been, uh, it's been so nice over the last few years, as I said, to have new projects um, show up because other people had other interests and asked the questions of the right people, and then they said, "Who can we get for this?" And I don't know, maybe my uh, I'm just louder than others. And said, "Me, me, 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 louder." And so I got some of those gigs, and uh, so I I'm hoping that uh, more description users ask more outfits for uh, more unusual stuff, and uh, somehow the universe answers, and I get the call.
4: Nice. <laughs> good one. So, <laughs>
3: <laughs> I throw one last universe, uh, you know, space pun in there. Absolutely. Yes.
1: Well, <laughs> it's good to make science fun, for sure. And, <laughs> and where can um who who wants to maybe just where can people again go to as the best place to if they want to learn more about this project?
4: Yeah, um if you go to the Chandra website, chandra.si.edu um any of the most recent images has the link for visual descriptions and if you just search on your search engine of choice for Chandra sonifications, you'll find it. Or even if you search for Chandra visual descriptions, you'll probably find that project as well. Um, and yeah, feel free to, to get in touch because really I, I, would, I would absolutely enjoy to hear what people think.
1: Right, our, bl- our blind
4: listers, yeah.
0: Yes, absolutely. So mm-hmm. is, there, is there contact info on the, on the website there? People could reach out or is there a better way for them to reach out if they have any...
4: There is contact information on the Tinder website. You can also go to my personal website, which is just k i m a r c a n d. K-I-M-A-R-C-A-N-D.com. And my email is there as well. Awesome.
0: Perfect. And then Christine and, and JJ. Talk description to me. Yeah. Yeah. You can go to, I believe, talkdescriptiontome.com is the best place or any podcast service.
3: That's it. Yeah. yeah. You can find us, uh, you know, where all the finest podcasts are made available.
1: Right. So, so Chris, Chris, Mr. Hatfield, email talk to, uh, talk description to me at gmail.com. Yeah,
2: at gmail.com, That's where you can find us. Mr. Hatfield, I'll be waiting. You're gonna love it, I promise. It'll be an interview like you've never had before. Shameless. I'm totally shameless.
3: Shameless. Oh, that's yeah, but you know, gets the job done.
2: That's how you that's how you make things happen, right? It's yeah. true.
0: <laughs> Just go for it.
2: Thank you guys so much. It's been great. Thanks for having us on.
1: Thank you, little three of you. Thank you.
0: Send us an email outlook on radio western at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter at Outlook CFB and on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Outlook on Radio Western.